0: Hey, thanks for checking out this message from LifeGate Church. We hope that God uses this message to encourage you and to help you live in the freedom and purpose that Jesus has for your life. Morning. (laughs) Hello, this is Pari and uh, I welcome those who are watching online. Today the message I'm going to share is on what choices can hinder us from hearing God. So, just let me put this slide. Yeah. So, this is um, something that's close to my heart. I had something in mind uh, that I want to share, but uh, a couple of days back, uh, uh, God gave me different thoughts. So, I believe this is something that God wants to bless. So, when I got saved uh, um, around 2000, uh, one of the deepest desires for me is to hear from God and always trying to make sure that I am sensitive to God. And so this scripture that I am going to share from Genesis 13 is talking about how we can hear from God and it uh, is going to help us to know what can hinder within us when God is speaking to us. So to set the context, we are going to read from Gen- uh, Genesis Genesis. 13 where, do, where the herdsmen of Lot and Abraham picks up a fight because they have a lot of herds and there was not enough pastures to feed, so there was a fight that uh, came up, so they decided to part ways. So we are going to see how Lot made his choice to go in one direction and how Abraham made his choice to settle down in one place. And we are going to draw some insights from it. So let's read here. So Abraham said to Lot, It's not the entire land before you. Please separate from me. If you take the left, then I'll go to the right. Or if you choose the right, then I'll go to the left. And Lot looked out and saw that the whole plain of the Jordan... All the way to Zo was well watered like the garden of Eden, like the land of Egypt. So Lot chose for himself the whole plain of Jordan, lived among the cities of the plain and pitched his tents near Sodom. So here you can see that Lot chose for himself. I want to just highlight that. Okay. The Lord said to Abraham, after Lord had left him, Now lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are standing northward and southward and eastward and westward, all four directions and you can see the Lord is the one who is choosing the place for Abraham. For all the land which you see, I will give to you and to descendants forever. So when I was reading this scripture, I got few thoughts. So we can see that they both were rich, they both had hurts, they both had similar needs like Abraham had the herd, as well as Lot had the herds, and they both need pastures. So all the needs are different, and we have Lot to take from these people, um, because it's mentioned about Lot as well as Abraham, that they were righteous. So it's like the church. We are all righteous, made righteous by the blood of Jesus Christ. So initially when I was reading Lot, I was thinking differently, like he would have because he settled in different place and he didn't end up well, he was not righteous. But clearly the word of God mentions that he was a righteous man. If you read in 2 Peter, it says, the righteous soul of Lot was tormented. And we also read about Abraham, we know about Abraham, that he believed in God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. So both were righteous. But if you read Genesis, you can see Abraham received a lot of communications from God. You can see that even before he started his journey, God told him where he would go and every step of the way, God told him what's going to happen next. But when it comes to Lot, I don't even see one place where it says, God told this to Lot. And this is the question that that I want to address today. And when you read Genesis 13, you can see that Genesis 13 and subsequently 14, 15, you finish with 16. You can see that Abraham was greatly blessed and he was a blessing to the rest of the world. But when you read about Lot's life, it looked like it went in the wrong direction. Though he was righteous, it went in the wrong direction. He has to be delivered. Whereas Abraham was a deliverer of Lot. Lot's Lot's wife became a pillar of salt because her heart was stuck with the place she was living. And the end of the daughters was not so great, which Lot would have imagined for. And if you see the descendants of Lot, it was not good. But if you see the descendants of Abraham, they were all blessed. So, what happened to Lot? What, What can we learn from Lot's life? And what can we learn from Abraham's life? So in this picture I just shown uh, the place Mamre, that's where Abraham settled. But whereas Lot, he was settling near where there water spots because it was green. So Lot's choice was totally based on his visual observation and his needs based on what he sees fit in this world. That's what we all normally do. But we, we are going to just understand how it can go wrong. So, this, this is the question that I had in mind. Why Abraham received a lot of guidance and Lot being the righteous? Because it is mentioned clearly as righteous. If the word of God says anyone is righteous, then definitely they had a good standing with the Lord. But you can see that he doesn't receive any communication. He has to be bailed out from the place where he was living. And the communication comes to Abraham and he has to intercede for Lot. Lord didn't receive any communication. Why? So in Job chapter 33, 14, it says, God speaks once and even twice, yet no one notices it. in In a dream or a vision of the night to change his conduct. So God does speak. God does speak to each and every one of us. As believers, definitely God speaks. But are we listening? What's the problem that's happening in us? So, for example, as parents as well as many of us will be here as teachers and you would have taught, you know how hard it is to teach someone who is not listening. You would have spent a lot of time and learned at the end they have not been listening. How furious would it be? <laughs> yeah. Very upsetting, right? I have had that experience. So when the moment I see that they are not listening, I'll fix their attention to me, then only continue talking. So, how much more the Heavenly Father, who is the Father of all, Parent of all, and the Teacher of all, wants to talk to us, speak to us. He will definitely stop if you are not listening. He will not continue. If you read from Samuel's life, God says, Samuel, he's not responding, he doesn't understand where the voice is coming from. He doesn't con- talk further, he again says the same thing, Samuel. He didn't understand. Third time when God calls Samuel, he perceives that he's from the Lord. Then he gives a big story about what he's going to say. He gave a lot of communication. First time he's hearing from God, so huge list of things that he's hearing from God. But before that, what did he hear? Just his name. And even, even that, he didn't understand. So unless we our attention draws to what God says. God is not going to speak into our life. So, what happened to Lord's life? So, we, we can also make, in, in our life, when the problems comes, when we see blessings, all those things, we make our own choices. We don't consult God. And God wants to speak to us. He, he may be shouting in your ears. But we may not be listening. So, what we learn from Abraham's life is God saw the heart of Abraham, and it was after him. It is written about Abraham like this in Hebrews. Okay, in Hebrews it says that he was looking for. He waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. That was the heart of Abraham. So he was not very much interested in the physical things that is in this world. But he was only looking for a heavenly abode. That was his heart. So if our heart is also stuck with God up above, not in this direction, God is able to lead us. We can hear him. Whenever we are stuck into any type of problem, we can hear God's voice. If to everyone God speaks. In my life I have seen, whenever I start something new, not always, because we behave like Abraham at one point and Lord at some other time. Right. So sometimes we hear even before I start something, I hear the end of the matter. The, uh, in Ecclesiastes, we read, "The end of a matter is uh, better than the beginning." Yeah. So God wants to guide. Are we listening? So similar to righteous Lord, we are made righteous by His blood. May not receive God's direction if our choices are only based on worldly needs and perceptions. We can change ourselves when we understand from Abraham's life, that's what I put there, that God sees our hearts and guides, He protects us as we obey Him, and He speaks loving words to us when we are in despair. He gives words of encouragement. So I want to finish here, saying, our heart's inclination impacts our fellowship with God and either helps or hinders our abilities to hear Him. Thank you. I'll uh, hand over to Mel.
1: Thanks, Pari. I've actually never thought of that before, about right, um, Lot being righteous, eh? Like, I, didn't, I hadn't actually thought that through. That was quite brilliant. Thank you, Pari. All right, so for those who don't know me, my name is Melody. I am married to David. I have, I'm looking to see if there's any other redheads in here. There's none, so I can safely say that all redheads are mine. I've got Savannah, Jackson and Cooper. All right, guys, <clears throat> I want to give you a quick snapshot into the last year of my life. Let's do this, shall we? I have had neuro appointments. I have specialist appointments. I have been assessed by physios, occupational therapists, specialists. I've had so many appointments at my cardiologist that I walk in the door and the receptionist say, hey, Mel, heard there was traffic. That's not healthy. I have had brain MRIs, I have lung MRIs, I've had stress tests, I've had heart echoes. I've been tested for lung cancer, I've had more blood work than is normal and I have literally no idea how many times I've been to my doctor, specialist or any other IST that costs a lot of money. But let me tell you that if I was scanning my flybys, I'd be in Fiji by now. (laughs) So that's the last 12 months of my life. I feel like as Christians we talk and sing a lot about the goodness of God and that is fantastic. We talk about victory, fantastic. We talk about triumph, we talk about God will triumph, he's fighting for us, he'll do it again and while that is truth and it is hope and it is what we need, what I want to talk about today is how do we deal while waiting for that triumph and waiting for that victory. I shared a snapshot of my last year, not for you to feel sorry for me. I don't need that. I have a fantastic life. This is not a poor Mill moment. But what I wanted you to grasp is that I'm talking today literally from where I'm standing. I'm not preaching at you. I'm talking about my life. I'm talking about what I have learned. I have been waiting, waiting, waiting. I'm waiting for a trial that will ultimately hopefully change my live <laughs> trial for um, an MS medication. I, have, I don't even have a car at the moment. I got into a massive car accident fighting with insurance. They finally paid me out, but God is saying, wait for a car. I'm waiting for an insurance company about my TBD policy. They sent private investigators out after me. I'm waiting in waiting rooms for test results. I'm waiting at specialist. I'm waiting, I'm waiting, I'm waiting. And let me tell you about specialist. You can wait as long as you want, but they, you, you are not allowed to be late. No, no, they can make you wait. I was sitting with God the other day and I was just talking to him about some of these things. And as I was talking to him, I started to um, write down stuff. And I was talking to God and I'm saying, God, is this time wasted? <sighs> or is it, has it been possible to learn anything through this? Can I grow? Have I been joyful? Am I just treading water while waiting? And so I started to jot down some things and um, that's what I want to talk to you about. I was sitting with God and I was talking to him. And I was talking to him about the last year and I started to write down what I've learned and those are the four things that I want to share with you today. Number one, there is no limit to how many times you can bring the same thing to God. Oh my word, this is relentless. I've got four big things in my life at the moment. As I mentioned, the, um, the uh, new trial to get into that could help my brain, um, a car, a TPD policy, and a, like I love that MS isn't really even one of them. Oh, I'm not sure if I brought that up. For those who don't know, I have multiple sclerosis. I have MS, hence all of the list that I previously brought up. So I was writing this to God and I was saying to him, are you you sick of this? Like I've literally brought the same four major things to you nonstop religiously about and nothing else. And each time I get this overwhelming sense of his presence and I can almost feel him. Shaking his head and kind of saying, Would you kindly stop putting your humanity on me? I don't get frustrated like you, Gmail. I don't get annoyed at the 500 questions the kids ask. So I don't roll my eyes and say, Oh, for the love of all that is holy, stop asking me the same thing. I don't. I am God. I've got this. And I love this verse. This is really, every time I feel this, I think of this verse. I love the Lord because He heard my cry and my prayer for mercy, because He bends down to listen. I will pray as long as I have breath. That image of me sitting there with my headphones on when I'm having my quiet time and writing and God bending down, listening, is so personal. And that's the kind of God that says, come back to me time and time again. The psalmist is saying that as long as I have breath, I am going to relentlessly, in this season of waiting, pursue God. And I want to encourage you with that today. Pursue God relentlessly and keep coming back for the same thing. It doesn't matter. He doesn't care. Number two, allow the Holy Spirit to pray for you. There is a verse in Romans that I've heard many times growing up because I grew up in church. And it's this verse. Okay, my eyes and MS don't go together. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be experienced in words and the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying. I love that verse. Until I was so broken and so overwhelmed, I just didn't understand what that meant. I have it was about November last year or December I got some really bad bad news and I was broken for two days straight emotionally physically spiritually financially I was broken I couldn't see out of it I couldn't breathe every time someone would talk to me I'd almost burst into tears and I couldn't breathe and I remember sitting down in my quiet time and I just said to God look I got nothing. And was just quiet. I can't, I don't even know what to pray for. I don't even know how to breathe through this. And I said, But I know that in the Bible, you've said, your Holy Spirit, will pray for me. So you know what, Holy Spirit, have at it. Start, pray. I've got my headphones, I'm listening to worship, I'm closing my eyes, I've got nothing left. And you know what? There is a lot of freedom in sitting quietly in the presence of God, embracing the quiet, embracing the hurt allowing yourself the experience of the Holy Spirit praying for you. That is something that I have experienced only a few times since because you have to be able to let go and surrender your control for you to be able to experience the Holy Spirit saying, I will intercede, I will pray, and therefore you will experience hope. And I experienced a settled soul and a joy that just really doesn't make sense. Which leads me to my next point. Joy is absolutely possible in the waiting. Now I'm hustling through um, point one, two and four because I actually want to sit on this point for just a little bit longer. I know that waiting and joy is not a combination that normally goes together, um, especially in today's society because we have this instantaneous gratification. So how can we find joy and not be miserable constantly? Well, I suppose it depends on where the source of your joy is coming from. If it is from our success and our failures, uh, our, our success and our circumstances, it is going to be epic. That joy is going to be fantastic. You are going to love it, but unfortunately it will last for a few minutes because the next thing will come and then you'll get joy and then depression and joy and depression because it's not a real joy that is found in God. It's a bit like a new cycle. The new cycle comes and goes and everything changes. It's where do we get our joy from? Nehemiah 8.10 says, The joy of the Lord is our strength. I guarantee you there is strength in joy. I read somewhere that real joy comes from God and is ours forever. The joy that is found in God's presence, it's not static. It transforms and it regenerates us. It is amazing and you can absolutely feel it. I'm going to get kind of real here for a second. Now this might be a little bit hard to hear but remember I'm talking from my world my life and I'm not preaching at you Waiting is hard being and living in the waiting is hard And sometimes it feels that it's just it's just not fair um, while feeling sorry for yourself and being miserable is honestly quite justified, okay? And remember, I've spoken to you about this. I've, I've had moments with Mirzi. I was so upset and miserable <laughs> about a few months ago that I couldn't even ask the customers if they wanted potato salad without crying. Like, do you guys want potato salad with that? I got sent away from work because, you know, that's great for customers. But so while sometimes it is needed to sit in our hurt and anxiety for a while... I want to suggest that the most powerful way we as Christians can point people to Jesus is when, in our waiting and uncertainty, instead of being perpetually poor, me, we have a joy that is not fake, but is regenerated. Us is in, is inside us and is deep, and it makes no sense to people because. it it will open a conversation to people who know your story, to people who've walked this with you or people who have seen you, what you're going through. If they see you have this joy that is unexplainable, that will open a conversation and that will potentially change their lives. The last one that I feel is the most important for me is build a memorial. The meaning of the Hebrew word memorial is, in the Old Testament, is remembrance. Remembrance. Now, all through the Bible, pretty much from Moses to Joshua to Elijah to everybody, they were commanded at one time or another to build a structure and to put aside a jar of manna or something like that. Even we were doing the Lord's Supper. We were instructed to remember what we were done. I feel that um, it, was, it was meant as a remembrance of God's faithfulness and his provision from the Lord. The memorial stones were sort of a permanent way to ensure that the Israelites would not forget God because, let's be honest, as humans, we have a slight propensity to forget things and to forget God's goodness for us. I believe God instructed this because, yeah, because of our, our propensity to forget. I love this bit. On the eternal wall um, of answered prayers on the internet, I, I love this website, sorry, but it says this. Remembering isn't passive. It's an action that brings the power of Jesus into our lives. Remembering helps make hope visible. Now I'm not suggesting we're going to walk around building building pillars outside our house or outside the shops or anything like that. What I do is I have a journal so because of my MS I can't actually read things anymore. I, you should see how big these papers is. Um, I struggle for my eyes to um, track so I write and I can't always reread it but find your thing for, mem- for your memorial because what I've learned to do is when I feel forgotten, when I feel that God can't see me, when, I, when my emotions have taken over what really is reality of God's love for me, I start to write down the things that God has done for me. Now, not just generic, he's good, I've got a family, very specific big things that I can see that he has intervened personally for me in my world. So my big one is my house and that's a story for another day. But... Every time I went through the last few months of do I have lung cancer or do I have this or can God see me or blah, 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 blah. I'm like, you know what? It's all good. I've got a house. God provided me a house. It is a very, very, very tangible way. And I kind of call it um, my memorial list. <laughs> it's in a very tangible way for me to get my emotions straight and reality in check. That even though I feel unheard, unseen, unloved, That is my emotions. The reality of it is, is because I have kept memorials of what God has done, that's just not truth. And you can change that. So I want to leave you today with this challenge. When you go through a season of waiting, will you exit? Because you will exit. The world is not static. You will exit at some point. Will you exit the same person who entered? Or will you remember that you can go back to God time and time again? Will you allow the Holy Spirit to pray for you? Will you experience a joy that is um, supernatural and does not make sense to society? Will you build memorials so that you will have that little bit more resilience next time you go through a season of waiting? You will have just a few more tools in your belt to be able to get you through that next season of waiting. So as a person, you can grow that little bit more each time. I want to encourage you to don't let... This time of waiting, whatever you're waiting for, family, relationships, finances, health in my case and a car, whatever it is that you're waiting for and you are learning to wait with God for, don't let it be wasted. And I'd like to say goodbye now to those people online. Thank you so much for joining us and we look forward to having you again next week.
0: Thanks so much for checking out this message. LifeGate Church has people meeting in person and online in many different locations, and we'd love to help you get connected. My name's Andrew, and I lead our online team here at LifeGate Church, and it's our job to do exactly that. We'd love to help you find community, get support and prayer, and take your next step. So why don't you connect with us and take your next step at lifegate.org.au and click the Next Step button.